Welcome, everybody, to East West Draftcast. We are on episode 28. That is the correct episode number. See, now you're just busting my balls. I know. Um, that voice you heard, I'm sure none of you know who that is if you're listening to this podcast. But surprisingly, that's Greg, and I am Jeff. We are your two hosts for the evening. Or Dose day. hosts. Dose. Kind of uh, rhymes. Yeah, it's for the upcoming Cinco de Mayo holiday. Um one of my favorites yeah i bet i know why it's because you're... i love to drink <laughs> that's correct um anyway we are already on a tangent uh Perfect. let us or us being me tell you what we got in store for you today we are going to do some pick a cards yes the awesome pick a card segment is back better than ever uh we got some risers and fallers another fan favorite we, get, we got some of those to talk about. Um, we're also going to touch on uh, a little project I, I'm doing, building a cube out of some very special cards that I'll tell you about later. Special indeed. And then the uh, and then we, we have a little uh, blurb we're going to say at the end about our custom set. A, a farewell of sorts. Yes. But let's kick it off with some pick-a-card. Hell yeah, let's do it. Um, I got two lists for you. They're not super long. But um, we're going to start with uh, the more hodgepodge one here. I love me a good hodgepodge. All right. First two cards, both red cards. <clears throat> These are all. I love, me, I love me some red cards, too. The first list is all Dark Ascension. The second is mixed. So we'll start with the Dark Ascension list. All right. Pick a card. Fling or Forge Devil? Ooh, those two cards are pretty close for me, actually. Uh, if you had asked me a week ago, I would have said Forge Devil in a landslide, but the more I play with Fling in this format, the more I like it. With that said, Fling tends to be a little bit more deck-dependent. Like You have to build your deck to exploit that card, whereas Forge Devil is almost always going to provide you with some small incremental amount of value. I think it's close. I'm gonna I'm gonna still take the Forge Devil. I think it's a better all around card and a safer pick. I feel nearly identical to you about that. Uh, okay. I mean, I think maybe I like Forge Devil a little bit more than you, but Fling is I I like Fling I think more than most as well. It's just, uh, yeah, it often just wins the game. It's pretty surprising. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I had a, a red-green deck on Tuesday, actually, that was very well poised to take advantage of Fling with, like, a Ghoul Tree and a Splinter Fright and, like, just a bunch of other large dudes. Uh, and, yeah, I was very pleased with it in the deck. And in that deck, I definitely would have rather had Fling than Forge Devil. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, honestly, we're going to do Risers and Fallers later, and Fling is not one of the cards I was going to talk about, but it's definitely a riser for me. It's gone up in value since... Uh, the beginning of the format. Yeah, I and I mean, it pairs so well with, like, the premier red-green card being Wild Hunger. The, yes. The amount of damage that you output by casting that and then flinging the guy is usually enough to just end the game. I mean, it's really rare that that doesn't just kill somebody. Yeah. But uh, anyway, moving on. So Forge Devil is the pick versus Griptide. I'm still going to take Griptide here. 
again, I think it's just a, a better card, a more useful card for the most part. In that, I mean, Forge Devil only really deals with one toughness creatures and chump blocks after that. I believe Whereas, uh, it's on record that Forge Devil kills every creature in the format. Oh, oh, is that so? Yeah, it was recorded by uh, some magic uh, gurus. Okay. Yeah. I guess, I mean, maybe it kills every relevant creature in the format, I'm not sure, but Griptide bounces every creature to the top of someone's library, so I'm going to take that. All right, cool. Uh, again, again, I think it's close. Yeah, it is close. But, um, I think I do, I would pick Forge Devil. Uh, but, okay. But I also uh, I like taking red cards in pack one quite a bit. I think everybody does, but I'm I'm one of those everybody's. Uh, so we are on Griptide now, and we're going to pair that up against Highborn Ghoul, which is the two-two Intimidate guy for double black. He's a two-one. But yes. Or that's what I meant. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, ugh, man. Don't you wish that that guy cost one and a black instead of two black? Oh my god, that card would be great if it did. <laughs> it might be the best, one of the best commons in the format if it did. Uh, it's still very good. Yeah. Probably still going to take it here just because it's a two drop with two power and evasion. Yeah. But that casting cost is pretty rough. You're, uh, it's also in a color that We've, we talked about this last time, or you, you're the one who was talking about it, really, that uh, Black has a tough time being the aggressor because a lot of their their early drops aren't the two-power guys, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, that's one card where it is the case, you know? That's true, that's true. I personally think I would take the Griptide or, or the Forge Devil over the Highborn Ghoul, um... That is dependent upon mana issues more than most things, but also the fact that um, my well, my favorite color to pair with black is white, as we've as well documented here. Uh, and Highborn Ghoul is actually terrible in that deck, um, and pretty much doesn't make the cut uh, because you're so much more heavier white and your creatures need to be human and so it, it just doesn't fit at all um and uh the other color that i like to pair it with is red and and it's it's fine with red and uh but it's still like still most of your two drops are red so it, it's kind of fighting for like oh now i gotta put my swamp count up when i don't really want to because because uh, of this damn highborn ghoul but it's still a fine card, and I, that's why it's on the list. Yeah, I mean, I will say that, again, all these cards are very close for me, and I I think you, you definitely could make an argument for any of them, including Fling at this point. Like, Yeah, totally. But, yeah, I, I think I'd still take the two-drop. I think that that's more important in this format than a four-mana removal spell. I mean, if it was Highborn Ghoul versus Forge Devil, I would actually probably take the Forge Devil, but I've already committed to the Griptide, so we're going to roll with that. All right, sounds good. Um, so now we are on Griptide versus Silverclaw Griffin. I think that Silverclaw Griffin is by far the worst card you have mentioned so far. I will in this list. agree with you, but it, I, I guess I'm trying to prove a point with this card in that um, it's really slow. Yeah, it's it's amazing how how fast the format is in that uh, a card like this is. It's really powerful. I mean, 
a 3-2 first striking flyer is like in some limited formats that's like a bomb nearly you know for me what kills it is the two toughness like if it were a 3-3 first strike flyer i would value it a lot more highly but the fact that it dies to fires of undeath uh and i mean just about every removal spell essentially yeah it does like like even geist flame plus flashback geist flame kills it and yep and that's equal mana right there. It's five mana for five mana. Yeah, you're not you know? losing tempo. In fact, you're not. Yeah, one is instant speed and one is sorcery speed. So you might even be gaining tempo by guys flaming out a griffin. Yeah. So I mean, if if they could, if we could do some unglued stuff and make it a two and a half toughness card, like yeah, that <laughs> would it would mean a world of difference, honestly. And it, but yeah, I think that card, while it's very powerful once it hits the battlefield, it's. It's really easy to lose tempo if they have a cheap removal spell for it, and it's really it's just slow in general. Like we've we've seen how important two drops and three drops are in this format. Like a five drop with three power often is just not good enough. Yeah, I totally agree, and uh, I, I will say that that card generally always makes my main deck if if I'm in the right color combo, uh, generally blue white. But um, I never pick it high. I think another strike against it is the fact that it has no tribal synergy within the set. It does. Like if it, yeah. if it were a spirit, that would make it better. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, there's there's just a lot going on with that card that just makes it so like it doesn't quite fit within the the format mm-hmm. as well as it might in say like a core set or something like that. It has good synergy with um, the uh, green increasing card, increasing uh, whatever. You know, the one with... Sav- savagery? Savagery. That's good synergy right there. Also known Just, as a flyer with increasing savagery. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I digress. Uh, last card in the list. So we have Griptide still, and we are putting it up against Olvenwald Bear. The 2-2 two, two for 3 that on a Morbid Trigger can give something 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters? Yes. I still think I'm taking the Griptide and... And the bear is probably, while I'd like it a little more than the griffin in the format, I think it's only slightly better than that and still worse than the red and blue cards and, and the highborn ghoul that you've mentioned already. So I, I'm still taking the griptide right. or the highborn ghoul or the forge devil or the fling over that card. Okay. I, so I do think that card is fine, though. I mean, it's definitely very, very playable. Yeah, I think I like it more than you. Uh, I People don't play around morbid very much and i think the reason is because you just don't have the option because the format's so fast everybody's playing two drops two power two toughness stuff or one toughness stuff to the point where like you can't just if you're not the aggressor you you can't just let things go by because you're afraid of a morbid trigger you have you have to block because you're just going to die if you keep taking damage yeah if you're not willing to race, then you're almost always just going to snap block in a trading situation, and that can lead to some morbid blowouts. I mean, I can't really blame people for avoiding, like, playing around morbid triggers, because how many how many really relevant morbid cards are there? There's not, there's, there's not a lot. The bear is one the, of them, though. There's the bear, there's Wake Dancer, there's Morkrep Banshee, and, I mean, can you think of any other Bore. major ones? Common, yeah, Boar, Common. That's about it. And again, all these are green and black cards, so yeah, I guess they're all depends, green and black. Depends on who you're playing against. Totally. Um, but anyway, uh, I I do agree that 
the bear is not the pick here. I, I think my favorite card in the list is Forge Devil, but uh, I think a lot of these a lot of these are close. I think the odd man out for me is the Griffin. But yeah, that's for sure. I do think that it kind of like it comes down to Forge Devil, Highborn Ghoul, Griptide, and that might just be a color preference thing. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Forge Devil, again, is probably the safest card in that bunch. Mm-hmm. But I think on I think the power level of Griptide is a little higher. Yeah. But I don't know. All right, so the next list, we got a theme. Uh, I think it's one card shorter, so uh, we'll move into this one. This is Dark Ascension and Innistrad cards. So we're going to start with Selhoff Occultist versus Midnight Guard. Oh, we're going to do some two threes for three. That we are. I hope Riot Devils is on this well, list. They're not all for three, but... Oh, uh, okay, okay, gotcha. They're all two threes. Uh, all, all right, so Occultist versus Midnight Guard. Yeah, I think this is actually very close. It and is. And I actually, I think that Midnight Guard is the correct pick, but I'm going to take Solhoff Occultist because I love to mill myself in this format. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my pick. So you said the correct is guard, your preference yes. is a cult. If I, if, I, if I were in like the top eight of a PTQ or something, I would probably take the Midnight Guard. I mean, again, we're not drafting these in the same pack, so if we're just talking about which card we like more, for me, it's Cell Hop Occultist. Okay, cool. Yeah, I take the guard. Uh, the, I, think that's, I think that's correct. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the biggest thing for me is uh, just... It, it, the essential or essentially vigilance aspect of it is is just way better in this format that I had expected just because everybody's attacking with two power guys and it's so hard to race against if if they're if they have any other form of pressure it's true um, but if you have a, if you have an a deck that can exploit the milling on totally. Selhoff occultist it's like drawing extra cards every time a creature dies yeah i just it's, i just watched uh, or didn't watch but Ryan sent me a screenshot of a uh, he he was doing uh, one of those four pack seals so it's uh, they're thirty card decks uh-huh. and uh, he had a a board of uh, nine creatures one of them was rage thrower one of them was a cultist with his opponent at nine cards and <laughs> some amount of life and then uh, and it a, does not matter and a blasphemous act in hand oh Jesus and so he milled out his opponent and killed him with. All at the same time. <laughs> that's that's pretty fantastic. Well, I mean, it depends on how he stacks the triggers, right? So he, he got to choose which way his opponent died? Well, I mean, the opponent's going to die from the damage because you you have to draw. Oh, right. The, the card has to draw. All right. But still. What do you, uh, have you ever done one of those four-pack sealed events before? I have not. Uh, I heard that they weren't very good um, because of the fact that this uh, set has such a... I guess I heard about this about uh, Innistrad only and not with Dark Ascension, but I heard that... The the format so has so much mill in it that um, when you're playing with thirty card decks, it's just the best strategy easily, and it's kind of just frustrating to play because of that. And do you, and it's probably just incorrect to play a forty card deck. Like you probably just can't, huh? Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. You're just not gonna have the playables for that. I've always avoided the the four pack sealed events. I prefer to just draft, but I'd never tried them, so I was wondering what the uh, the story on those was. Yeah, th- I think they don't cost any tickets. I think it's just the packs, so it's like it really isn't uh, okay. isn't any more expensive, or it's slightly more expensive than a draft. So that's that's a nice thing about it. But uh, and I think the payout's a little bit better, especially if you know what you're doing. 
Is it an eight-man still? Yeah, I think so. It's three rounds. Uh, if you go three and zero, you get I don't know, like five packs or something. Interesting. Is it Swiss or is it it's just? It's Swiss, yeah. So you get to play all three rounds. That's pretty sweet. Maybe I'll try that someday. I'm, anyway, I'm, let's I'm move pretty, on. Well, actually, I might not be Swiss. I think it's Swiss. Anyway, um, so we are on Greg picked a cultist. I picked guard. Let's let's just say midnight guard. That's the right. pick. All right, midnight guard. Um, another white card, Chapelgeist. Uh, Chapelgeist not close. Ah, I disagree. Do you think that it's close? I think that. Or do you it's think that Midnight Guard is better? Not only close, but Midnight Guard is better. Yes. You're out of your mind. I'm not out of my mind. You're out of your mind. I'm not out of my mind. I don't care. I don't care if one of them costs an extra white mana. It's a two-three flyer. Yeah, but Midnight Guard doesn't need flying because he still beats in for two. And they're still taking two damage. Uh, anything, I mean, it doesn't always be, like, what if your opponent has a Selhoff Occultist or uh, Villagers of Eswald or Riot Devils? It does not beat in for two, whereas if your opponent has any of those cards, the Chapel Guys does beat in for two. Um, that's true. You're totally right. I, I just think that the Midnight Guard complements more strategies than the Chapel Guys does. It, oh, man, I couldn't disagree more, but... That's, I guess, Chapelgeist is good. how it goes. Chapelgeist is good in blue-white. It's fine in green-white. Um, but Midnight Guard is better in green-white. Uh, it's ter- It's not terrible, but it's... it's better in green-white? Yes. You would, you would rather travel prep a Midnight Guard than... Oh my god, a yeah. A fucking vigilant creature over a flying creature every day of the week. Please. Oof. I... Don't know if I've ever disagreed with you more on a pick a card list than this right now. Yeah, I don't know if you have either, but uh, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I I, just, I mean I I've played with it a million times at this point, and I definitely have a a very solid opinion that I mean they're definitely extremely close, but Midnight Guard is slightly better in my mind. Wow, I don't think they're that close. I would much rather have a chapel guest. So you're telling me you sit down to build your, your deck. You have 22 awesome cards to the point where the worst two cards in your deck are chapel geist and a midnight guard. You're going to put a midnight guard in your deck over a chapel geist. Totally depends on the rest of the deck, but probably, and I'd say 51 times out of a hundred, I would put the midnight guard in. Wow. That's insane to me. It's so easy to, to like, do what a Midnight Guard does on the ground, like, or at least half of what a Midnight Guard does on the ground. Like, it's so hard to do what Chapelgeist does in the air. Like, really? What? Yeah. I mean, what what other flyers can hang with that card? Every of all of them. None all, of them. All of them with two power. Yeah, but none of them have two, three toughness. They don't need three toughness. If if your opponent has a Chapelgeist and you have a a Voiceless Spirit, um, nothing like. The Chapelgeist isn't any better, really, because you're both just sitting there not attacking. Or if they're attacking, you're what both just attacking. What are you talking about? Why wouldn't, I attack, why wouldn't I attack with my Chapelgeist into a 2-1 into a okay. first strike? Okay, great. Then you're doing that, and we're both trading two damage. Like, you're not gaining anything here. Well, so what's the difference if I have a, a Midnight Guard instead? I'm still trading two damage with a 2-1 a first striker in the air. That's totally true. At least, at least the Chapel Geist can block the, the first striker if I want it to. But you know what the Chapel Geist can't do? It can't block and attack. That's yeah, so but... much better. It's so much better. This format is all about racing, and to be able to attack and then block is so good.
good. It's so good. Yeah, but if if your two three can't get in on the ground, like which is it's not often going to be the case. It, that is not true. You are not playing this format enough. There, are every, uh, every creature that is on the board is not blocking Midnight Guard very well. And if it is, like, they're they're a really slow deck, or 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 the Midnight Guard's already done enough damage to be useful. I think you're really discounting the evasion on the Chapel guys in a big way, like. That's so much more important to me than Vigilance in this And again, in a racing format, like there are enough cards that just come up the ground if you if you are playing a control deck, whether it be the Crab or an Armored Scob or a Riot Devils, that many people are happy to play that just handle a Midnight Guard so easily. Like th- those cards do not exist in the flying realm. Like there aren't that many cards that can block a Chapel Geist easily and continually. That's true. I don't think there are that many of these defensive creatures running around that you think there are. But I just named three. Yeah, that aren't played that often. Oh, man. I I think I play Riot Devils almost every... I mean, or just an opposing Midnight Guard or Villagers of Esfal. Do you want me to keep going? I mean... All right. <laughs> keep going. I've already named five, and you can't come up with one flyer that can do that for a The flyer... Deck. It doesn't matter, dude. They Okay, you are the flyer's deck versus my... My ground forces deck. You attack in with your Chapel Geist. Great. I attack in with my Midnight Guard. And we're doing the same thing here. And now uh, I get to play creatures that do more damage on the ground. The cheaper creatures. You, you have to spend more money to do less damage in the air. We're both racing, but I'm winning the race because you aren't doing anything better than I am. All I'm saying is if I have a Chapel Geist and you have a Midnight Guard, all it takes for me is to stick one good blocker on the ground, and then I'm winning. Instantly. I'm instantly winning the game. That is... In, that's completely incorrect. All I have to do is play another two fucking power creature. And now, great, your guy can block my one of my two power guys, but he can't block the second one. You played yeah. something to block one of my guys, and I played another guy to attack in. We're, doing, we're still doing the same thing here, but you're dealing less damage because you're playing flyers. We're not... Oh, man. And we're, you're, you're assuming that every other card in my deck is a flyer? Which is completely incorrect. Like, okay, you might you might have some crabs or some some scabs like you were talking about, but again, those aren't the, all they're doing is stopping one of my two power guys from getting in. And you're playing. That's the thing, though, is like it's so much easier to stop a midnight guard from getting in than it is to stop a chapel guys from getting in. That's the point I'm trying to make. You're right. You're totally right on that point. Thank you. I I I <laughs> totally agree. Uh, but I get to attack in and stop one of your guys. That's why I... Not if it's a chapel, guys. Great. You named one card. Now name I can, ten more. Okay, do you want me to name some other flyers? Or do you want me to name, like, some creatures that have more than three power? Like, I mean, you, you're right. The The Midnight Guard blocks well, and it blocks, like, a lot of the two drops well. But as you go up the mana curve, like, that two-three body becomes more and more irrelevant. All right, we also haven't even touched on... I know you did right in front to try to discredit it. We didn't touch on the fact that Chapel Geist does cost two white, which is a factor. I did talk to... I, and I told you that that was irrelevant to me. Like You I, did say that, and playing, I don't know why. It's not Because if you're playing white, you're probably playing heavy white. And you've admitted that. You admitted that as much in the last list. I did, uh, but you're also... like You have to pay attention to every double-cost card in your deck. It's not like everyone is just free because you have more planes than than forests or whatever you're playing, or, or islands or whatever. Like, you you can't just say, oh, like, I can just play whatever. I can play six double-cost white cards. I'm fine. 
I have more white cards. It's like, that's not how that works. Anyway, <laughs> this is enough arguing. Uh, we both disagree with each other. and uh, Yeah, we're just going to have to agree to disagree and agree that Jeff is wrong. I will agree that Greg is wrong as well. All right. Uh, <laughs> Chapel Guys versus Villagers of Eswald. Still think it's... I think this is actually closer than the... It is closer, you're right. I think that the green card is definitely better than uh, your 2-3 quasi-vigilance. I agree, which is why I would take the villagers here. Yeah, I think you can make that argument, just because the potential to flip it into a 4-6 is... Huge. That's, there's just so much more upside there than having a guy who has quasi-vigilance. I agree. Uh, I, I might... Now, you know what? I, I'd actually, I would take the, the villagers at this point over Chapel Guys. Cool. We agree. That is the best card so far. Last card, another green card. Kessig Recluse. Yeah. Let's see. Here's one where the double green does scare me off, and just the fact that it costs four is like, I mean, it's a very good defensive card, and it's not a bad offensive card in that if you attack, they're probably not going to block with anything. Mm -hmm. But with that said, I still think I'd rather have the 2-3 for three instead of the 2-3 for four. So I'm going to continue to take the villagers. I agree. Um, and I I do think that Villagers versus Chapel Geist has, a, like, the reason I choose Villagers is a lot to do with color preference, like, in that I, I feel like the Villagers plays in more decks than the Chapel Geist does. Yeah, totally. So, anyway. I think the same thing about Midnight Guard. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, what were we going to do next? Risers and Fallers. That's what yeah, you want to do some Risers and Fallers? I do, and we don't have to argue with each other for this one. Or maybe oh, we, we can. Maybe like if, we I, if I think that one of your risers is way better, I mean, I'm probably not going to disagree with you here. <laughs> you, but, might. you might. Uh, so I only have one of each. I think Greg has a couple. Yeah. Uh, Two of mine are similar, but go ahead. Why well, don't you start? Well, I could, I could just say, obviously, Midnight Guard is a riser for me. but um, And for me as well, I just don't think it's as good as a Chapel Geist. That's fine. Uh, and cha- like, and Chapel Geist too- would be a faller for me. Like I think that card is much worse than it used to be. But yeah. I, I think here, here's the ultimate point I'm trying to make is that if I have the flyer, we got to revisit this right now because <laughs> I finally came up with an argument I, I really like. Okay. If your your argument is that it can race with by like attacking and blocking, mm-hmm. correct? That it's better in a race for that reason. Yes. If if racing isn't good for me as the Chapel Geist player, I can just not attack and block the Midnight Guard all day with the Chapel Geist and develop my board just as much as you can, and and we're still at parity. Like right. Whereas I think if if I do want to race and I have the Chapel Geist, I can easily do that. Whereas with the like the Midnight Guard, that's not always the case. Especially if if my opponent has a blocker that can handle the the Midnight Guard, which is more likely than them having a blocker to handle a Chapel Geist. Right. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I get I get what you're saying. And you know what this this whole thing come, mostly comes down to the fact that. I find Chapelgeist in my sideboard more often than I find Midnight Guard there. I think if I'm playing white, it's very rare that I would cut that card from my deck. I do it a lot in black-white. Um, just for mana reasons? Mana and synergy. Midnight Guard okay. is just more synergistic in black-white. Obviously, it's a human. I think that's fair. Um, but again, I think that's that's what, that's that's the problem here. Is you you're talking about one specific deck, and I'm talking about like the no, cards. No, no, no. I think green white. Uh, I think midnight guard is better in green white as well, but but just barely. Um, and then obviously blue white Chapelgeist is better. But 
you're right. It, it's it's definitely deck dependent, and uh, I'm more prone to black white than anything. So that'll that'll skew my my thoughts on the whole thing. All right. So Jeff just admitted that he's biased and wrong. So we can move on to rises and fallers. But you're biased too. All right. Anyway. How so? Because you like I'm not married to one deck type. You like flying creatures. That's a bias. Oh. Uh, <laughs> because flying creatures are better than ground creatures. You son of a bitch. <laughs> right. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm just gonna keep poking at this. Uh, okay. Midnight Guard synergy with Wolf Hunter's Quiver. Can you beat that? Every creature has synergy with Wolf Hunter's Quiver. What? No, it. I mean, it unta- I can I could equip it to any creature. No, it deals two damage instead of one. I don't care that much because that's a card that is almost always in my sideboard. It's it's actually if we, man, I have a lot of risers I could talk about. That's actually one that's risen for me as well. It's it's. I think that card's fine, but I do think that, that is a. It's I am very slow, but it's very powerful. I yeah. I the thing is is like it's so slow that I'm afraid to run it as a main deck card most of the time. Yeah. So unless I see like a very slow deck or a deck that's very cold to just pingers like one damage at a time, mm-hmm. then I'm not I'm not bringing that card in. I agree. Uh, so anyway, moving on to the real risers and fallers. I hope you guys have enjoyed this uh, argue fest. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we have for me my riser is uh, faithless looting. Oh, that's one of mine. Awesome. All right, so there. <laughs> why don't you go go ahead and talk about faithless looting? Why is why do you why is it turned out better than you thought it would? Um, it's just been so awesome. <laughs> it's uh well, so my tell us how you really feel, Jeff. My first thought on the card was, oh, faithless looting. That'll be sweet with like burning vengeance and that kind of fringe deck. It turns out almost every red deck loves to play this card. Um, like we have all of these decks that we're playing generally have some mana issues since we're all trying to flash back a third color. And boy, does this help with that. Like, just smoothing out uh, smoothing out your draws in terms of the, the mana you get, the colors you get, as well as turning, like, late lands into spells. It's, And then, you know, then when you pair it with blue, it just gets absurd if you, if you mill it. But I, it just... I f- originally thought that it was, like, blue-red card only, but it's it's just a card that I'm going to play... A lot of the time, like I'm not gonna play it when my deck is like insane, and I will play it in most decks. Just just the filtering it provides is very strong. I understand that it's card disadvantage, yeah. But the fact that you can, yeah, like you say, dump useless lands or useless cards or flashback spells mm-hmm. makes it a pretty solid all-around card. Like I'm never unhappy to play it in red. With that said, I do think it is a card that people play too often still. It's just because they're playing red. Like I don't, I, I, I still don't think it's a card you play every time. No, I think you need some sort of like reason graveyard to. or yeah, some reason to like whether it be a couple flashback spells or just wanting creatures in the graveyard. Like that aforementioned deck I played on Tuesday with, it was red green. I think I was splashing white, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I I can't remember exactly for what, but it was the only reason I was really playing it was because I had a ghoul tree and I had a splinter fright. And I kind of had this weird red-green mill-myself sub-theme going on. That's cool. And therefore, I felt like it was correct to play it. Yeah, um, that sounds awesome. It was actually a ton of fun. It was one of like the funnest decks I've drafted in a long time. I had one game where I kept six lands plus Faithless Looting. Yeah. And, See, that's why the card is so awesome. Like You can do right. things like that. 
Well, I mean, that's a very narrow case. Like, there'll be other hands where you get six lands in any other card, and it becomes unplayable. Like, the the funny thing was, is I went, like, turn one, Faithless Looting, and I Faithless Looting into a Mulch and more lands. Ooh. <laughs> and so I was like, pitch a couple lands, turn two, Mulch, get some more junk into the grid. Like, I had, I had Threshold, I think, on turn on turn three or whatever. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, I that is cool. And it's like, um, but but that that is something that Faithless Looting does, is it lets you keep these hands that otherwise, like, if that was any other spell, it wouldn't work out. Like, I can keep these one land, these mountain Faithless Looting, like, cheap spells, but in any other format, if I didn't have that Faithless Looting, even if that card, like, drew one card or something, like, it was a, like, it would, uh, like Thought Scour or something. It was a blue land and a Thought Scour. Like, I couldn't keep the hand, because what if I don't draw that land? But the fact that you're getting to draw two means that it's so hard not to get there, because you're going to get a draw and then two cards is, like, it's digging so deep to get to that land that will just let you go off, and then it, it makes keeping, like, not mulliganing so easy, and it just completely negates the whole fact of like oh this is card disadvantage because you don't have to worry about mulligans as much yeah well i mean yeah it just smooths your draws in general mm-hmm. um whether you mulligan or not i think one thing we we have kind of neglected to mention that we should bring up is that if you have faithless looting in your deck you have to play a little differently especially like if you don't draw it early mm-hmm. you kind of have to you have to sandbag lands and, and spells that are useless totally like another reason i was playing it was because i had two mulches in that deck that if i drew on Turn three, I didn't necessarily want to cast every time, you know? Right. Like, so just knowing when to play spells and when to hold them back for Faithless Looting is also quite important. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think it belongs in more, or in, in a lot of decks. I just don't think it belongs in every deck. I think you have to have some sort of plan as you're using it. Yeah. But it's definitely gone up in my book. Like, at, at first I was, it seemed like a 23rd card to me, and now it's like, it can be anywhere from a 23rd card to, like, a 10th card almost, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. There are certain strategies that really need it in there. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's cool. We both had the same one of those. Uh, I will do my faller. Uh, okay. Which is another red card, uh, Rack with Madness. Yeah. Too slow, huh? Yeah, it's too slow. And uh, remember all doesn't the... Ki- doesn't kill Midnight Guard? Yeah, remember all these two threes we were arguing about? Like... <laughs> But the thing is, is all the two threes are so playable and so useful that um, you often find that you need to kill them, you know? And yeah. and uh, it just doesn't do that. Uh, luckily, it kills Kessig Recluse, which is pretty hilarious. But, um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't kill most of the, like, a lot of the problem. Like, the, it's not good for the aggressive deck because it kills, it, it doesn't kill the problem blockers, you know? It kills like it kills lots of bombs. It kills, you know, a lot of other stuff. But but the other thing is is if you're in the slow deck, and you have it, you're you're often forcing you're often forced to spend four mana to kill something that costs two mana. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a good tempo play. With that said, it's another card that if I'm playing red, I'm probably not, I'm probably never cutting the first copy unless I'm just overloaded with other removal spells. Totally agree. Yeah. It feels kind of like the uh, the Death's Caress in the sense that mm-hmm. I definitely want one in my deck, but I don't necessarily always want two. Yeah, I probably don't want two. That's yeah, it's just I mean, too expensive. Yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of this just has to do with the fact that 
the format is very fast and a four mana removal spell that doesn't kill everything is a little lackluster at times. Yeah. So I agree with that. All right. That is my riser and faller. Can I give you uh, my second riser? Yeah, do it. Evolving Wilds. Oh, yeah. Like, I knew this card was going to be good, but I've second picked it. I've third picked it. Yeah. I've first picked it. With no, like, not being upset about it, too, right? Yeah, just like, this will be great. Like, yep. I've taken, like, the third pick Evolving Wilds is awesome. Like, you're like, first pick, this is a good card. This is, I mean, it's a first pick. Second pick, this is also a pretty good card. Maybe in a different color. Third pick, not a whole lot for me here. Oh, but there's an Evolving Wilds. I'll just take that. And now, like, I have, it just sets you up to, to draft well for the rest of pack one. Mm-hmm. It sets you up so well, like, to be able to just say, okay, what am I splashing for after this pick? What am I splashing for now? It can lead, it can lead you to get a little greedy, and I've definitely fallen for this, but if you're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're diligent, mm-hmm. and you're, and you're smart about how you make your picks, and how you read signals, like read what cards are being passed to you, like, a third pick Evolving Wilds can set you up for a very good draft. And I think that that alone makes it, very valuable and it just it's super flexible uh, i love the card yeah i totally i like that that choice for riser it is definitely uh, a high pick and and it's it's one of those cards where if you're the type of person that looks at it and you're like ah oh, this would be useful but i'm gonna be greedy and take the spell like you're being too greedy like the card should be taken early right especially because I think that in the, the cards in Innistrad, particularly at the common level, are slightly more powerful than a lot of the cards in Dark Ascension. Mm-hmm. Do you agree or disagree with that? I agree. Well, it depends on the color, but mostly I agree. Sure. So with that said, I think you need to prioritize things like mana fixing a little more in pack one so that in pack two you can make the most of those picks without having to, to lean on a Caravan Vigil or a Traveler's Amulet or a Shimmering Grotto because... All three of those cards are so much worse than an Evolving Wilds that half the time you're going to get to that point in pack two or pack three, where you're like, oh, I guess I have to take the Shimmering Grotto or else I'm going to have to like disregard two of my high picks from pack one. Whereas if you had just taken the Evolving Wilds in pack one, you'd be like, okay, now I can just take another quality spell in my color. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you want to move on to some followers? Yeah, let's hear them. Uh, I've got one, and I think I've mentioned this, so I'm going to be brief on this, but Tribute to Hunger. Mm-hmm. Like, card keeps getting worse for me. I find myself passing it more and more and almost hoping that my opponents will pick it and play it every time. Yeah. Because between, like, all this... Like, because so many of the creatures are similar in size, it doesn't matter that much. And if you have, one, like, a creature token, or two, God forbid, an undying creature... Or, like, or, or as a human that makes tokens, or yeah, a exactly. human that it's comes just, back... Not that good. Yeah. So, all right, I got one more faller. Mm-hmm. But Jeff, hold on a second. Sarah just got back. What's oh, up, no problem. I don't know. Uh, do you need that soonish? Okay. Sarah needs to take her computer back. Can we be done in like, like fifteen minutes? Absolutely. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Thanks. All right, so I'll pick it up right there from last faller. Dude, have you done your faller already? Yeah, I did it. Yeah, yeah, Rack of Madness. Yeah. Okay. 
so yeah, my, my, my second faller, and this one's a little more obtuse, is Farbog Boneflinger. Okay. And while I like this card a lot, and I've picked it highly very often, I think that oftentimes it's a little too expensive for what you get. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's... It's, it seems like it should be as good as a Slayer of the Wicked, but I often think that it's much, much worse. Mostly because it costs one extra mana, it doesn't have three power, and minus two, minus two can kill a lot of the small creatures in the format, but it can't kill a whole lot of the big ones. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, a Slayer can often take out, like, a giant zombie or a giant vampire, or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, totally. So while I do think it's a fine card and it's uh, definitely very playable, and again, I'm probably not cutting the first copy in any black deck that I play, It has it's not as good as I thought it was going to be when we first evaluated the set. Totally agree. So, I don't know, do you have anything else to say about Boneflinger, or do you want to move on to uh, one of our uh, last topics? Let's just move on. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about your new uh, Bulk Rare Cube? Sure. Um, so, uh, I am building a cube, well, I I haven't actually got, started collecting the cards yet, but I'm gonna start, I kind of want to mess with the list a little bit more before I just, uh, decide on a, on a, an end list, but, um, I am building a cube out of bulk rares or bad rares, um, now, these are not bulk rares that are bulk rares because they're only good and limited, um, and they just never made constructed. Because you, you know something like a like a drag, a lot of dragons are that way. They just they just cost too much for constructed and they don't do enough. But in limited, they're bombs. These these rares, these rares are bad in constructed. They're also bad in limited. They're just bad cards. And now, can I interject a little something here? Yes, I've uh, I've drafted this deck against some bots in uh, on tappedout.net. Okay. And there are some cards in there that are pretty good. There but, are a few, and I want to get rid of them. Okay. <laughs> but what, what, what cards are you talking about here? Uh, the one that sticks out in my mind was Fathom Troll. I remember that card, especially in a, in a format of bad cards, just a card that can, like a single card that can draw three cards is very, very good. You what, know? What is Fathom Troll? I don't even remember. Uh, I can't remember what it does, but I'm pretty sure it's essentially a draw three for five mana, like three colors and two blue. Okay. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. I can't look it up right now, but I just did. It, yeah, it's you reveal top cards of your library. You reveal um, until you reveal three non-land cards, and then you draw those cards. So you're that's a you're getting. Is it an instant or a sorcery? It's a sorcery. Okay, that's still pretty sweet, especially in like a cube where the cards are supposed to be yeah, underpowered. This is true. Uh, I so this is actually brings up a good point to this cube. So I I went to this cube. My first thought, um, I guess I'll start at the beginning. I saw um, for those of you who who watch or do a lot of uh, read a lot of stuff online and, and watch a lot of videos and stuff, you probably know DraftMagic.com. They did a draft um, of what they called the bad rares cube um and it was pretty cool like i watched it and i I enjoyed it the thing is is that cube wasn't bad rares it was like rares that don't make a cube a normal cube but they're still good you know 
They're like okay. the the like bridesmaids, you know, not the bride. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, and I was thinking, you know, like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a cube where, like, maybe the best first pick would be Lord of the Pit? <laughs> and so that's what what got me into this. I was like, you know what? I want to play these like terrible cards where like cards that are normally just just terrible. Although Lord, Lord of the Pit's interesting in that uh in the ori- in the original a- Alpha, the first set, Lord of the Pit was actually the most expensive card. It's the most sought after card. Um so at one time Lord of the Pit was considered a very good card. Um when people started playing Magic for realsies, <laughs> they figured out that it's not possible. just for play play. Yeah. Um but anyway, uh so I and I mean definitely some of these cards are good in um in limited, but most of them aren't or or they're just very like clunky and just um I also decided that uh there had to be kind of a theme of there had to be like nearly every rare from homelands had to be in this cube. <laughs> Because that's just hilarious. Um, bad set equals bad rares. Yes, and it's true. Most of them are just terrible. A few are funny. And there's actually a, a rare in Homelands that's it's a, an artifact. You pay some amount of the, mana, sacrifice The Apocalypse it. Chime yeah. or whatever yeah. it's called. Destroy all cards from the Homelands expansion. Hilarious. I think, I think they have that in other sets, too. Like I think Arabian Nights yeah, card does that. There is an Arabian Nights card that does something like that. Um, but, All right, so you're building this cube. What do you want to talk about as far as it goes? Well, I just want to talk about how how difficult uh, build, <laughs> building a cube is. Um, not not just not just this cube, but any cube. Like this is it got me because I've never actually built a cube myself. Like we we have a cube in our in our group, um, but we kind of stole a list from Evan Irwin and tweaked it, and so we never really built it. And and uh, I'm doing this from scratch, and I'm realizing how difficult it is especially like I, i'm giving myself a very um specific uh what's the word uh you have a very small card pool right, to pull from. right very small card pool i'm trying to make it so none of these cards will cost me more than a dollar um because i'm gonna probably buy a lot of them uh and and it's it's really interesting because I'm trying to make it so each color has an identity. Like that's an important thing. But you're also having to like think about curve, think about card type. That's very important. And off, after all is said and done, like you need you need archetypes in the, in the cube, or or it's just going to be a boring thing to play. And uh, you know, it's like it really gives me some uh, serious appreciation for what, like, magic developers do. And um, I don't know. I just wanted to, like, talk about how... I One of the reasons that um, Fathom Troll is in this cube is that trying to build, like, blue and have it feel blue is really hard because they're just... Like, you want blue to be able to draw cards or... or uh, do like be like bounce creatures or bounce something creatures like that. be the spell color like you want it to be the spell color right but it turns out like that a lot of the cards that fit my plan are are not really like in that role they're and, just big dumb blue creatures yeah stuff like that or or just you know ra- like randomly there's just some really weird 
cards. That all those, all those Johnny enchantments and whatnot. Sure, there's about a million enchantments to choose from for this bad <laughs> rares keep, as you could imagine. But it's really impressive that um, that they can do this with set after set and build like a really impressive draft environment. And although I'm not getting to design it, any of the cards myself, yeah, it's it's a different scenario though because you're pulling from a known card pool that isn't meant to work together, and they get to design everything from scratch and pick and choose their reprints as they see fit. That's totally true, but it it just I can tell when like what what they I can tell what they do, and and the fact that I don't know for for a while. Um, we were designing this custom set, and I was thinking, like, you know, like, what does a developer really do? Like, they're, like, because there's the designers that are designing the cards, there's the developers that develop the set. And I'm thinking, like, you know, I feel like the developer's job is just so much easier than the designer's job. But, you know, after trying to develop a cube, it's it's really obvious that I, I think I might have it backwards. Like, it's so difficult to get this all working together. And I think both jobs are pretty significantly yeah, difficult. They're both, they're both very hard, yes. I, to create good environments from either side of that, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. partnership is is got to be tricky. Oh, totally, yeah. But anyway, uh, so if you want to look at this list that I have, uh, you can go to our website, um, East West Draftcast. I, I posted it on there, the, the link to it. Um, I'm going to be changing things around a little bit. I'm actually like starting to think that maybe sticking to only rares is maybe a bad idea, but uh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to hurt the integrity of the cube here. <laughs> yeah, integrity is very important for a bad rares cube. Yeah, and I mean this is mostly so I can I can cube for cheap and like just I'm probably only gonna I'm probably gonna do a lot of Winstoning with it and not not a lot of eight mans, but um, it'll just be kind of a fun little side thing to do. Gotcha. Well, you briefly mentioned our custom set. Do you want to kind of, I want to wrap things up on that for our listeners. Um, do you mind if we cut away from your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your I don't really have a ton more to say about this. I just, it's been fun. Uh, makes me want to design or develop cubes every day. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it takes a lot of time. It took me a long time to do this. Yeah, I believe it. Anyway, uh, talking about the custom set, uh, we kind of announced on like Facebook and Twitter and whatnot that we were done talking about it, but we never talked about it on the on the podcast how we're going to stop doing the uh, the custom set segments. I think that a lot of the listeners were turned off by it uh, from from the feedback we received, and a lot of the the point of of talking about it on the podcast was to engage with the listeners in creating this custom set together. And it's a lot of those folks kind of dropped out for whatever reasons. And that's fine. Um, everyone's time is valuable. I know that uh, more than uh, more than anybody. Um, but with that said, like because of the, the kind of loss of interest from our listenership and just the fact that everyone else already wasn't super stoked on hearing about it on the podcast, uh, we're not going to talk about it anymore. Um, with that said, Jeff and I are still working on it. So, uh, if you are one of the listeners who uh, was helping us out earlier and would like to do so, we'd we'd love to continue to see your feedback and your input on the uh, on the custom set wiki. Um, but yeah, just kind of wanted to let everybody know know where that was standing. And uh, yeah, I don't know anything else you want to say about that, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, it, we're 
like Greg said, we're going to keep working on it. Uh, pro- probably a little slower than before, although we haven't been working a ton lately. But, but uh, yeah, we're just it, it's it's still going, and uh, I'll keep putting it in the show notes. Uh, if anybody wants to go to it, it'll I'll put the link in there. Um, we're just not going to talk about it on the cast anymore. So, uh, but feel free to to uh, add to it, even if you haven't before. We're not we're not just saying the people who worked on it before. Yeah, anybody, anybody. If if you want to just look at it and you want to like post on there and say this looks like garbage, you can do that if you want. I mean, we're probably just going to delete that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. No, I'm not going to lie. A lot of the reason why I kind of fell out of designing more custom cards is that we're right in the middle of fantasy baseball season, and I've been uh, drafting a lot the past couple weeks. So Uh-oh. hopefully that'll that'll clear up uh, soon. Yeah, for uh, those of you who don't know. <laughs> Greg is a, uh, a fantasy sports expert now, I yeah, would say. An expert, thank you. Um, I don't think anyone's really an expert, but I do play a lot and therefore have very strong opinions on uh, how I think that shakes out. But um, Yeah, you also write for uh, fantasy websites as well. That's true. Uh, and if you are interested in checking that out, you can uh, read my stuff at thefakebaseball.com uh, and during football season at thefakefootball.com. But... Anyway, speaking of plugging stuff, let's uh, let's wrap up the show. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want to get in touch with us about magical magical things, magic related stuffs, uh, you can check out the aforementioned website eastwestdraftcast.com. Uh, we post all of our stuff on there, and yeah, we'd we'd love to to see you on there posting comments or whatever. Um, you can also email us. Our email address is. East West Draftcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle I use for the podcast is uh, EW Draftcast, and Jeff's Twitter handle is at Jeff EWDC. Yeah. Uh, we're, on, we're on Facebook. You can search up East West Draftcast on there. Give us a like if uh, you head over to the Facebook page. And did I miss anything? You, sir, did not miss a thing. You're just so good. Ah, uh, thanks. Uh, and, I'll, and, and as always, uh, you can download the podcast on mtgcast.com and post comments in the, the comments section there. And we, we read it all. Um, and we'd love to hear from you guys. So with that, I'm, I'm done. I got I to gotta go. Awesome. So do I. So uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Draftcast out. Peace.